Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and they do a great job. You can give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And we'll visit with uh, my wife, Melinda, who writes Greetings from Paradise. Pretty smart lady in her own right. We'll be talking about what's happening here locally as, a, as well as across the country. It is... March the 23rd, and on this day in 1775, during a speech before the Second Virginia Convention, Patrick Henry responded to increasingly oppressive British rule over the American colonies by declaring, I know not what others may, course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Following the signing of the American Declaration of Independence on July the 4th, 1776, Patrick Henry was appointed governor of Virginia by the Continental Congress. Those were er immortal words spoken. The first major American opposition to British policy came in 1765 after Parliament passed the Stamp Act, a taxation measure to raise revenues for a standing British army in the United States at the time in America. Under the banner of No Taxation Without Representation, Colonists convened the Stamp Act Congress in October 1765 to vocalize their opposition to the tax. With its enactment on November 1, 1765, most colonists called for a boycott of British goods and some organized attacks on custom houses and homes of tax collectors. After months of protest, Parliament voted to repeal the Stamp Act in March 1776. Most colonists quietly accepted British rule until Parliament's enactment of the Tea Act in 1773, which granted the East India Tea Company a monopoly on American tea trade. Viewed as another example of a taxation without representation, militant patriots in Massachusetts organized the Boston Tea Party, which saw British tea valued at some 10,000 pounds dumped into Boston Harbor. Parliament, outraged by the Boston Tea Party and other blatant destruction of British property, enacted the Coercive Acts, also known as the Intolerable Acts, in the following year. The Coercive Acts closed Boston to merchant shipping, established formal military rule, British military rule in, in Massachusetts, made British officials immune to criminal prosecution in America, and required colonists to quarter British troops. The colonists and subsequently called the First Continental Congress to consider a united American resistance to the British. With the other colonies watching intently, Massachusetts led the resistance to the British, forming a shadow revolutionary government and establishing militias to resist an increasing British military presence across the colony. In April 1775, Thomas Gage, the British governor of Massachusetts, ordered British troops to march to Concord, Massachusetts, where our Patriot Arsenal 
was known to be located on April the 19th, 1775, the British regulars encountered a group of American militiamen at Lexington and the first volleys of the American Revolutionary War were fired, known as the shots heard round the world. You think about some of the things that they were putting up with. Having to house militia people in their own homes, uh, indeed, they were totally tone-deaf to the needs of the American people. Well, the uh, Florida Department of Health reported 27 new COVID-19 cases and no additional deaths on Monday from from COVID. The moving seven-day average is now at 65 through Sunday with about 18 fewer than than the average on February the 15th. On 2 p.m. on Monday, there were 42 COVID-19 patients in Collier Hospital. So the numbers have dropped off dramatically. I would say almost to a point of non-existence. Uh, but this is so interesting. The public overestimates the likelihood a person with COVID-19 would have to be hospitalized by 10 times the actual number. This according to a recent study. People were asked during a Franklin Templeton Gallup study what percentage of people who have been infected by the coronavirus need to be hospitalized. 35% of those asked said that over half of the infected people would be required hospitalization from the disease. Meanwhile, only 18% correctly stated that the risk of hospitalization was somewhere between 1% and 5%. The U.S. public is also deeply misinformed about the severity of the virus for the average infected person. Democrats were much more likely to overestimate the harm of COVID-19, according to the Franklin Templeton Gallup study with 41% of Democrats believing over half of coronavirus patients would require hospitalizations compared to 28% from Republicans. Republicans were also more likely to identify the correct risk of hospitalization from the virus, with 26% answering between 1% and 5% of patients would require hospitalization compared to only 10% of Democrats who believe the same. Pretty um, Pretty amazing, isn't it? These errors in factual knowledge appear to have important real-world implications. Of course they do. The study's author noted, those with, who overestimate risk to young people or hold an exaggerated sense of risk upon infection are more likely to favor closing schools, restaurants, and other businesses. To bring the public's perception of the virus risk in line with reality, the authors stressed the need for more well-informed public. Difficult to do, I think, with the mainstream media the way we have it aligned today. Uh, I, of course, in my view, the mainstream media is trying to stir up fear and keep this fear of pandemic moving, irrespective of what's happening with the coronavirus itself. Well, Christmas is coming early to millions of illegal immigrants in the form of COVID-19 stimulus checks up to $1,400, according to a new analysis. The Center for Immigration Studies on Monday estimated that at least 2.1 million illegal immigrants could be eligible for $4.38 billion wired directly into their checking accounts, just like the hundreds of millions of legal residents and citizens who started receiving checks uh, just last week. During a debate over the huge spending package, Democrats rebuffed GOP concerns that illegal immigrants would be eligible for the checks because they do not have Social Security numbers. Well, 
uh, it was noted that the number of that are assigned to asylum seekers, those in the Obama era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, and those with temporary protected status would receive checks. And he said, while there's a program to weed out improper payments, the Social Security Administration does not use them. So billions going out to illegal aliens as we speak. This is an important story. And... Uh, Christy Nome, Governor Christy Nome announced to a new nationwide coalition to defend Title IX. Now, during a news conference Monday morning uh, in Sioux Falls, Nome announced the coalition is being created separate from the controversy surrounding the House Bill 1217, which would ban transgender girls from participating in high school sports. The coalition, according to Nome, is comprised of athletes, leaders, and everyone who cares about defending women's sports. Noam hinted at the purpose of the new coalition, saying that once enough states are on board, the coalition will be big enough that the NCAA cannot possibly punish us all. Recently, a letter signed by more than 500 current college athletes, including a cross-country runner from the University of South Dakota, was sent to the NCAA calling for the organization to uphold an anti-discrimination policy and only operate the NCAA championships and events only in states that promote an inclusive atmosphere. Nome avoided signing the bill last week, sending it back to the legislature by the style and in form of veto, which suggested revisions she wants the legislature to enact. Throughout the conference, Nome maintained her view that 1217 is not an anti-gender bill, but was simply about defending women's sports when asked if she believes her new coalition would affect transgender people in South Dakota, she reiterated that her focus was on protecting girls' sports and that any attempt to frame it as a transgender issue would be inaccurate. Speakers at the news conference included Nome, former NFL players Herschel Walker and Jack Brewer, and a handful of other concerned individuals. Following Nome's introduction of the new coalition, Nome's guests spoke about their experiences in high school and college sports and rodeo, a consistent theme throughout which the expression of praise for Nome at each guest took time to thank her for attention to this issue. What I would prefer, I would prefer to say, you know what, we're withdrawing from the NCAA because of its insistence on including uh, men, transgender men, men who consider themselves women, uh, to be included in women's sports. Uh, but she's taking probably a more prudent approach than I would take. I'm not in her shoes, and I, she's probably making a more prudent choice. She's trying to form a coalition that would, in the end, uh, get the same result. So uh, in any event, though, my hope is, because of my respect for her, that she will not allow women or, or men to participate as women in girls' sports. My hope is also that she'll develop this coalition that will become strong enough to resist this on a national level, not just on a state level in, uh, in South Dakota. If lawmakers agree to Nome's charges to the bill, the measures will not only need a simple majority to become law, it'll no longer need the governor's signature. She was on uh, Tucker Carlson last night. She really made her case. Uh, but again, uh, I would prefer her to come out and simply say, we don't want women competing with men in girls' sports. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. 
Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Boo Mordson. We'll find out what's new with Boo right now. We have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. If I'm not mistaken, if I count correctly, you're in week four now in session in the legislature. Yeah, it is just flying by. Unbelievable. Um, And, you know, we've we've done some significant pieces of legislation. Uh, Last uh, Thursday, we passed the COVID liability bill, which was... um, something that is really important to our businesses and our healthcare workers who are open on the front lines. You know, one of the things that has happened is that there has been 
created a cottage industry among some trial lawyers, and it's only a few, that are basically doing seminars on how to sue people for COVID, mm. and um, particularly nursing homes. Uh, and, and so we, we need to shield them from liability unless they are grossly negligent. And so that bill passed last uh, last week. It was a little contentious, and now it's over in the House, and they're hopefully going to pass the same bill. We'll send it on to the governor. Um, you know, those are the kind of things that we're working on. Um, I've been working with my colleagues on uh, reforming the uh, auto insurance uh uh, laws, the no-fault provisions, and I don't know what's going to happen with that, but that's very contentious. Mm-hmm. Trial lawyers are all up in arms, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, now, why are they up in arms? So would they, they would, uh, would they prefer to see, uh, is, it's not, it's no fault now, isn't it? It is. Uh, actually, they, they don't mind us uh, moving to mandatory bodily injury coverage, um, but Part of it, and it's kind of complicated, is my insistence that we include uh, bad faith languages uh, to to shield um, insurers and their insureds from excess judgments in, in some of these cases. You know, Florida is uh, like 49th or 50th, you know, in the in the uh, United States for uh, a litigate, litigious climate, and that really hurts our businesses sure. and. Um, our insurance rates. So, you know, the the auto insurance hasn't been so bad for the past year because a lot of people weren't driving due to COVID. But once people get back on the roads, we're going to be faced with an insurance crisis there. The other bill that is, is also being considered, in fact, in my committee tomorrow, uh, the um, property insurance, um, property and casualty insurance uh, revisions, particularly with roof claims, because uh, our insurance rates are skyrocketing due to the number of claims people are filing. People who have 20, 25-year-old roofs are, are uh, filing claims for damages that uh, from Irma or something that, you know, three, four years ago, and right. the roofs are that old, and it's just been terrible. So, you know, we, we've got to um, rein that practice in, too. So there's a lot going on uh, right it's, now. It certainly sounds like it. Uh, have anything going on with Airbnb and those types and uh, rentals, short-term rentals? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been working on that um, at the request of the president because, uh, you know, it won't, it, nothing that we do will affect Naples because Naples has um, a uh, an ordinance in place, and, and so whatever we do will be grandfathered in. So I'm in a good position to be able to uh, look at it, um, look at the issue uh, objectively. And, you know, there are there are a lot of the, the problem we have is that there are vacation rental properties all over the state. Mm-hmm. Um, many local governments don't prohibit them, but they regulate them out of business. And it's hard if you're um, a platform like Airbnb or VBRO or whatever uh, to have to respond to, you know, 500 different ordinances if, if every city and every county had their own ordinances. So I think in terms of regulating the actual platforms themselves, I think that should be done on a state level. But with regard to the regulation of the properties in terms of inspections and, and, and the like, uh, I think that should be done on a local level. And some people agree and some people don't. And so uh, that's what I'm, I'm trying to build consensus amongst all the stakeholders right now. My goodness, I respect so much your... <laughs> Your patience. Hey, you must have an immense amount of patience, <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen. Well, unbelievable. Yeah. 
So, hey, uh, could you can you comment at all about the the governor's request uh, to have legislation that would uh, prohibit uh, these uh, uh, social platforms uh, from uh, ad, uh, what selling private the data privacy bill. Data privacy, yes. Yeah, it's um, the bill. The bill started out being a little draconian, and we're working on it. You know, the bottom line is, um, and the way I look at it, it's very simply, if you provide information to uh, a company, uh, say you, you know, and we all do that, like on on Amazon, you you put in all your information so you can order with one click. You know, you don't have to keep putting in your credit card number, et cetera. So that information is saved. That's done for our convenience and, and theirs as well. The issue is what can they do with that information? Mm-hmm. You know, we... We believe, and um, most consumers believe, when they put that information, it's just between them and the company. Mm-hmm. What has happened in some companies, and uh, they sell that information to other third parties, which is why, you know, if you're looking online for, you know, an item, all of a sudden you start getting all kinds of ads from other from companies about the item you're looking at. How did I know I was looking for that? Right, well, because right. that information is, was has been sold. And, um, you know, people do have an expectation of privacy. So, you know, that's the basis of the concept of tell, of prohibiting them from selling our information without our, our consent. And there are some other provisions that are a little problematic, uh, uh, you know, creating a cause of action so that, they, that these companies can be sued and whatever. And, and we're working all, out all those details. But, but I think most people would agree that the information you provide about yourself should be private uh, yeah. between you and the company you provide it to, not sold to a third party. Um, I couldn't agree more. Florida, I, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. However, I think we actually do sign uh, consent forms. We don't read them, obviously, but I think we do sign these consent forms that allow these companies. Informed con- yes, informed consent. That's exactly it. Um, so there's a lot about uh, data that is not that we're not even looking at, uh, you know, one of the one of the issues is the, the information that you provide or the information you store online or whatever is your information. Yeah. Uh, but and if something happens to you, unless uh, your family has your password, they can't get that information because it's not accessible. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of issues that that we're going to be having to deal with in the future. And I think unfortunately a lot of that's going to be fe- needs to be federal because obviously the internet is not just in Florida. Absolutely right. However, having controls for Florida citizens, I think, is just really a fantastic idea. Very difficult to implement, I'm sure, in my view. Okay. Again, just my yeah. humble view, and I realize there's, uh, I'm not, I don't have all the information, but uh, it should be totally illegal and improper for these companies to sell our information. Period. End of story. And uh, if Absolutely. we started yeah. with that as kind of a starting point, I think that would solve a lot of problems. Uh, I think so. I, I think so. The issue is what is the penalty for doing it? Yeah. I don't think they have a problem being restricted from selling it. They just don't want people suing them. And, and you know, I, I don't know where that's going to end up. We'll see. Interesting. Thank you so much. Kathleen Pasadena, well, again, our state senator, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thanks, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boom Morrison. It's time to... Whoops. I just changed the, <laughs> the wrong knob. I do that sometimes. So it's time to find out what's new with Boo. We're going to do that 
and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshire Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, and I learned, pardon? No, I didn't say anything, Boo. Oh, I'm sorry, it must have been the feedback. I learned something this morning. I learned that there is a World Happiness Report. Did you know that? I did not. Doesn't surprise me, though. Tell me what it says. Well, they say the bottom line is the U.S. has gotten a lot richer, but it hasn't gotten happier. And what did they gauge happiness on? They get, their criteria was how people perceive themselves to, to be happy is based on um, uh, health, income, life satisfaction. And they say that, you know, you can't, I mean, joy that you find, uh, you know, being with your grandkids or seeing a sunset, that's just sort of a temporary thing. The real bottom line is 
How are you satisfied with the way your own life is going? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you, are you happy with the way your life is going? And what have you learned from the pandemic? Well, those are two great questions. And my, my immediate response to your thought was, boy, the, the pandemic has affected, hasn't it, our, our relationships dramatically. And relationships are such an important part of our, our life and our happiness. So um, the, I'll just answer the second question first, which is I think the pandemic has dampened uh, and affected some relationships. I think we, we're shorter with each other. We have less tolerance for each other. I think uh, we uh, have, uh, for, we're, I think we're less uh, accepting of other people, quite frankly. And I think it's a result of getting all masked up and uh, all these limitations we have in our, on our behavior. What are your thoughts? I, I think that probably we are not as happy as, as a population, probably because we're more isolated. Mm-hmm. But um, what have I learned? I think I've learned that, you know, I'm really good at entertaining myself. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can do stuff and keep busy all day. And, um, you know, I always sort of knew that I could. But, you know, when you're, when you're isolating, especially like we were in the spring, well, I get great satisfaction out of cleaning out drawers and straightening stuff up and taking classes on course and reading I can entertain myself uh, amazingly well. That's what I learned. Well, that, you know, and I think that's uh, so important. Uh, you know, I've uh, recently been infected by, of course, having some back surgery. I'm, I guess my general attitude, in fact, I, I, I start each day before the show kind of, kind of going through some, I think we called it meditation, some thoughtful meditation. But, uh, it, you know, we should be so grateful for just the life that we have. You think of all the the possibilities, the the permutations and combination of things that could happen in our lives, and we have so many reasons to be grateful for everything that we have, irrespective of the inconveniences like COVID-19. So my general attitude is happiness is a state of mind, not a state of affairs, and we should all start off by being grateful for what we have. That's right. Wake up every morning with a sense of gratitude. Absolutely, Babu. Not sometimes I'm a little more difficult to do than others. <laughs> I must admit, but that's a general place to start, I believe. And then uh, from that, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, you're grateful for you know your kids, you're grateful for your surroundings, you're grateful for your situation, um, for your well, health, for your health, for your, for most of you know, for most importantly, for your good health. Absolutely. And so right now, I mean... I'm oh, I think so. You know what they also say is that it's really calming to listen to sounds of the environment. Mm-hmm. So if you've got like a noise machine, like a white noise machine, mm-hmm. but it can play, or you can go to the beach and listen to waves, listen to birds that evolutionarily... When you hear those sounds, it means that you're in a safe place. And so, again, now, in today's day and age, when you hear the lapping of the waves on the beach and you hear birds early in the morning, it allows us to 
sort of internally relax, that we're not on edge. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. That is indeed fascinating, and we're fortunate to have the sound of chirping birds uh, here at this time of year as well. It also occurs to me, just to, as you raise the issue, that uh, with the pandemic and a lot of the fear that's been created, of course, that can dampen our enthusiasm or dampen our happiness uh, for uh, for life in general. So right now, I think there's a lot of things that are going on that can contribute to our being unhappy in spite of what of all the things that we should be grateful for. Yes, and sometimes all you have to do is little things. I mean, you don't necessarily have to go out to buy something that's mm-hmm. going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. You can take a walk. Mm-hmm. You can um, walk on the beach. You can spend, uh, have a picnic outside. You can have a cup of coffee with a friend outside. Mm-hmm. Just so that you're, you hear the outdoor noises and natural sounds of nature. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things I think that is most at risk right now is relationships. I think it's important to maintain relationships. It's, it's, it's just a vital part of my happiness, I know. And I, I just have the sense that I have fewer relationships right now that really matter to me than I had, for example, a year ago. And I think it's primarily because in some ways we've been kind of disconnected because of this COVID thing. Oh, I think so. That's why I think it's more important. Plus, you're a guy. And uh, I don't mean to make this Uh gender-specific, but I think sometimes guys are not as good as reaching out to friends. Right. No, I definitely agree. Do you agree? I definitely agree with that, Boo. So uh, So when we get off the phone this morning, and it gets a little bit later, um, call a buddy and go have breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, that that is a, certainly a great idea. Uh, in fact, I have a lot of friends that I should uh, call up and have breakfast with. You know, sometimes you just don't have a reason to do it. You, it. you don't need a reason. You just want to spend a little time together. I think that's a good thing to do. Sometimes I just uh, don't do it just because I don't th- say, well, you know what? There's, I don't have any reason to do that. <laughs> kind of crazy. I don't think you have to have a reason. I mean, I don't think you have to go because you need to have a serious talk with somebody. I think you can just say, hey, what have you been up to? Uh, you know, do guy talk. You know, what do you guys talk about anyway? Sports? Uh, March Madness? <laughs> yeah. Have you, do you, have you been taking any of, any of that in? No. No, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a big basketball fan, but Lauren's watching it. Yeah, boy, it's been very interesting indeed. A lot of upsets, a lot of interesting and close games. It's been a lot of fun, quite frankly. Boo, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you. And you know what? Just reminding us all to be happy. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. 
On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you about Choice Social. It's a new and refreshing social networking platform. You can download uh, an app from choicesocial.us to find out more. Really refreshing. Take a look at choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden, my wife. She writes greetings from paradise. You may get a copy of that. Uh, she also is pretty knowledgeable about what's happening here locally and across the country. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Tell us about Less Government. Uh, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> it's three trillion dollar infrastructure coming. Yeah, well, you know what's kind of interesting is you've got a big market, Seton, for sure. <laughs> oh, God. So, hey, you wrote a really, uh, I thought, interesting, um, in, and in some ways amusing, in other ways not so amusing, column called Swamp's Warped Dictionary. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, they always, you know, one of the things they do is, of course, they realize their panoply of issues is not very popular. Their agenda is decidedly unpopular with the American people. Um, we're in Florida, and Kamala Harris was down here selling the $1.9 trillion uh, alleged COVID bill where only 9% went to COVID-related things, she's still trying to sell it after it's passed because it's decidedly unpopular with we the people. Right. Um, they're you know, they're going to try to push a $3 trillion infrastructure bill now. That won't be very popular. Um, you see them using words with, with the exact opposite meaning of their actual meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the old line from in- Inigo Montoya in uh, The Princess Bride. You keep using those words. I, I don't think they mean what you think they mean. Um, we have this ongoing war with the White House on the fact that they won't call the border situation a crisis, right. when clearly 
It's a crisis. Right. Um, it's a crisis. There's the dictionary definition of crisis. It's a crisis. Yeah. Um, and they won't. They refuse to call it a crisis. Um, they pa- they jam this 1.9 inf- uh, trillion dollar bill through with uh, reconciliation because they can't get any Republicans to support it. Zero Republicans vote for it, and Biden then calls it bipartisan. That's not what bipartisan means, right. Joe. Um, so they do this all the time, and of course. The the, uh, the the establishment, the DC swamp, whatever you want to call it, does this all the time too. And and of course, one of the things you and I talk about a lot is their definition of free trade isn't actually free trade. Right. Um, when Trump parachuted in and started trying to even out the playing field to get to actual free trade, they started decrying him and his policies as anti-free trade. When in fact, what they've been doing for decades is anti-free trade. Uh, they have allowed other countries to limit what we can ship them, to tariff greatly what we ship them, and subsidize exorbitantly what they ship us. All of which undermines domestic production of any and everything we try to produce. Right. Uh, because obviously... Uh, we can't sell very much of it if they're going to limit it and ta- and tax it. And conversely, if they're going to subsidize the heck out of their stuff and then send it here, which we never, ever limited, ever, um, and barely ever tariffed, ever, um, their massive subsidies are obviously going to allow them to charge less than any reasonable market cost that our domestic manufacturers and producers are going to be able to charge. Right. So all of this drove uh, millions and millions of jobs out of the country because it became more attractive to produce everything anywhere else on the planet besides here. And decades of that is what D.C., the swamp, called free trade. Yeah. Well, that's clearly not free trade. Free trade is... We go to them and say, get rid of these tariffs, get rid of these limits. If we're going to have an open market, you're going to have an open market. It's, if, you're not, you know, if we're not going to subsidize, you're not going to subsidize. It's so interesting. And, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, recently now Ford's made a decision to say, you know, that that uh, plant that we're going to build in Michigan? Uh, we, Mexico. Mexico, and then we're going to send it to Mexico instead. We're going to build, build in Mexico. Now this administration is thinking about raising corporate taxes What's that going to do to the attractiveness? Right, right, of, right. I mean, we had we had an amazing expansion of two things: manufacturing jobs, well, jobs, and something we hadn't seen in decades: wage increases, especially at the lower end under Trump. Why? Because he was addressing this. Because he was equalizing the playing field. If they're not going to lower their uh, government. We need to raise ours for parity to give our domestic manufacturers a better shot at competing on the global market. Right. If you want a global market, you've got to have balance, equity. You want equity? There's equity. You want equality. You want balance between what their government is doing and what your government is doing. Now, would I prefer equality in the sense that they're not doing anything and we're not doing anything? Ab- yes. Absolutely. But... The second best thing is equality at any level. Right. It's the disparity 
that destroyed millions of jobs in this country and drove them out of the country. It's the inequality that did that. It's, it's not the tariffs in and of themselves. It's the fact that they were tariffing and we weren't. It's the fact that they were limiting imports and we weren't. It's the fact that they were subsidizing exports and we weren't. It was the disparity that destroyed the jobs. If everyone was competing on an equal playing field, then we can say, okay, our products are going to be better than your products, and on a balanced, even playing field, we'll win. You can't say that with that kind of inequity and that kind of imbalance. And, I, again, I would prefer no tariffs, yeah. no trade limits, no uh, subsidies, but until we get there, the next best thing is equality and parity in those things. Well, we're not even going in that direction now. We're going in the opposite direction. It's That's so right. fr- so frustrating. So he's frustrating. To watch. Everything Trump did on trade, or most of it. Uh, absolutely, and it's so frustrating to watch because, again, uh, the the efforts to make America great again. It was not just on a financial level; it was on a cultural level. So many things that were going on, and right now we're just watching this administration tear it apart, plank by plank. It's so frustrating and so discouraging to watch. And this is and this is why, again, you know, they try to blame Trump for losing control, the Republican control of the House. After his first two years, I would put that squarely on the shoulders of Paul Ryan in the House. Right. If they'd worked more with Trump and passed some legislation, rather than Trump having to do it all in the executive branch, one, it would have it would have solidified Republican support in the House from a from a voter standpoint, and two, it would have made more permanent the, the improvements Trump had made because if he if the Trump if they improvements Trump made were back with legislation ensconcing those changes, they'd still be there, and, and Biden couldn't undo them unilaterally. He'd have to go to Congress and undo them, and as we've seen, everything they want to do in Congress is unpopular. Yeah. Uh, because Trump had to rely exclusively on executive action, not unconstitutional, just working within the parameters of the executive branch, those things can easily be reversed by the next administration, and we're seeing Biden do that. Absolutely. So interesting to watch. I mean, you think back on voting for Romney and uh, and uh, uh, the guy you just brought up. I forgot his name already, but the po- point, being, uh, point being is, you know, you just can't believe that the swamp, the swamp is actually so satisfied with the way things are going right now. It's just unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, and you saw a bunch of alleged Republicans teeing up the return of the swamp, most led by Mitch McConnell's shameless, ashamed uh, speech uh, against Trump about the alleged insurrection uh, before voting no on impeachment. You can't give that speech and vote no. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But what he was announcing there as the, lead, as the leader of the Republicans in the Senate is, hey, we're returning to business as usual in D.C. So yes, absolutely. Tee, See, up your, tee, tee up your money. Yeah. Tee up your uh, cronyism. We're, we're ready to receive you. Absolutely. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit Less Government. Dot org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden. She's my wife. She's so well-informed on so many topics. She writes, greetings from paradise. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show 
here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show, providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. She's the author of uh, Greetings from Paradise. You'll find it uh, on on the pull-down tab on my website, all our columns for the last year or more. Uh, She's also pretty well informed on everything that's happening, not only locally but around the country. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. I was morning. just watching our, one of our neighbors do his weights up on the 18th floor on the balcony. I hope he doesn't fall over. Oh, I do too. I'd, <laughs> <laughs> just one more thing to be concerned about, huh? So, I mean, there's so much going on right now. What's, what's top of mind for you? Well, first of all, greetings from paradise, as I mentioned before, is on hiatus because I'm still trying to figure out how to go forward with that mm-hmm. um, uh, because it's, I've, I've fallen victim to cancel culture, so to speak. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up is people have been asking me about the um, new building that's uh, being built up by the pub by Publix at the um, marketplace at Pelican Bay mm. that used to be the it wasn't Red Lobster I can't even remember what it was anyway uh, Pincher's Crab Shack is going in there so that's the new building that's yeah I've forgotten the name what it's a it's a standalone building if I'm not mistaken right. it's right there at the entrance of the uh, shopping center so Pincher's crab shack have you been to Pincher's crab shack never I've never been to it either so. but there's a bunch of them there's a there lot are. of them and I'm looking uh, I'm looking forward to it so uh, it should be interesting so you asked me what's the top of my thinking this morning there's a lot of things actually mm-hmm. um, we had such a good time um, 
uh, turtling yesterday watching NCAA basketball. That was really, really fun. That was fun. And um, so pleased that the Oregon Ducks won. Yeah. And so that was good. And so we'll, I don't know when it continues, probably the end of the week now. For the- well, you, you, the reason why Oregon Ducks might be, uh, why, why would we be interested in the Oregon Ducks? We actually lived in the university in uh, uh, Eugene, Oregon, at the home of the Oregon Ducks uh, for a couple of years. So I gained some interest in, in the well-being of that organization. And uh, they had a, well, they have a good sports program. So I like the Ducks, the, the fighting Ducks. I know, it just makes, it just <laughs> quacking all the way. Quacking all the way. Uh, the other thing I, I found was interesting, as I was just looking at your little TV in, in uh, Bob Harden network area, is this AstraZeneca vaccine that, that's, they apparently fudged their information coming out about their, their 79% uh, efficacy vaccine, which is incredible. Um, so that stock was probably going to go down today. But I'm just thinking, let's see, for a virus that is 99.97% survivable and you want to take something shot into your arm that's 79% effective, I don't, some, for some reason, I yeah. just don't get it. Yeah, no, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. He, and the other, the other side too is we're entering herd immunity. Uh, every, people wanting to get shots. I, I mean, I certainly respect that, and people wanting to do that. However, uh, again, uh, the F, the chances of being hospitalized because of COVID nineteen, if you get it, by the way, and there's limited chances that you get it, but if you get it, are between one and five percent. So. Uh, to me, I think everything is blown out of proportion. Fear has taken over, and, and I think has ruled a lot of people's lives, and, and that's very unfortunate, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. Also, um, things that are on my mind are Joe Biden falling up the stairs, going to Air Force One on Friday, which the mainstream media has absolutely, totally ignored, but it didn't stop uh, the media in England or, or all over the world just blow it up and uh it's just it just shows that this guy doesn't have all his faculties no well anybody can slip on some stairs i've done it you know of course you, what, you, three you, times no they said did, the wind blew him over so yeah how about that president who was the president uh, gerald fought, ford gerald ford he slipped down the stairs huh? he's he was always having problems of some sort but uh you know he played center for the uh, yale football team he was a great athlete university of michigan isn't it? no it was a uh, yale, yale? He actually uh, he had difficulty though for some reason going up and down stairs and he was always caught in a in some sort of situation that was awkward so but so I I mean uh, I feel bad for the president uh, but <laughs> there has been some funny stuff that's come out but you know why didn't you say oh you know we slipped why would you blame it on oh well the wind it was so windy the wind was clocked <laughs> at six to fourteen miles per hour I mean it, it, there is no accountability whatsoever. He says, "I never ask people to come to the border." To the border, he said, "I just ask them to surge to the border." <laughs> to the border. Well, and then Kamala Harris was laughing about it yesterday when she asked if she was going to the border, and she said, "Oh, laugh with her cackle, uh, not today. I'm not going to the border today." But while she was running uh, for president, she, she was adamant about getting those poor children out of the cages that Donald Trump put them in. The hypocrisy is just screaming. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen uh, the uh, pictures that have been put out by, and I'm trying to remember the name of the organization, 
Axios. Oh, uh, Project Veritas? Project Veritas. But my gosh, these pictures are extremely disturbing of these kids that are in cages, frankly, and uh, number one, number two, sleeping on top of one another. Uh, for crying out loud! Not so. only not only Project Veritas put them out, but but a Democrat congressman from Texas, Henry Cuellar, put them out and gave them to Axios. Those were the first ones that came out yesterday. Wow! So I mean, this this is a crisis on the border, and we need to do something about it. Quite frankly, what we ought to do about it is go back to the policies that Donald Trump had in place. His border policies were working, and his agreements that he had with Mexico and with those uh, states. And uh, that, in that area, Costa Rica and others uh, seem to me to be working very, very well. And uh, for whatever reason, Biden wants to increase the population of illegals coming into the United States. Uh, I don't know why the American people want to accept something like that. Meanwhile, we can have we can look forward to media alert for Thursday, uh-huh. which will be Joe Biden's first quote unquote press conference since he took office. Do you think it's going to happen? Well, sure. I think it's going to happen, but I, but I, it's not going to be spontaneous. Are you kidding me? I just think he's going to go through with a with a um, picking on certain uh, reporters that already have pre-planned questions given to him. I think it's going to be the same old, same old. But yeah. we'll see. We certainly will indeed. So, uh, what's going to happen with the uh, with the infrastructure bill and with some of the other things that are being proposed right now? Is there any way of stopping all this? I don't know, but uh, I was watching um, Charles Payne this morning, and he says, if you are looking at your TV right now, your taxes are going up. That's stunning. They're going to tax, um, they're going to have a monitor saying how, how many miles you drive and tax that. They're going to tax every single thing we do. Yep, no question about it. Linda Harden, again, probably one of the most informed people that I know. I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, honey. It was a pleasure. Uh, My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. Andy Jopp is going to be with us. He's a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of so many great books. I don't have his latest book here in front of me, but I'll finish it by the time uh, we complete it. Uh, uh, Do you have, what is the name of that book there? Oh, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional is the name of his latest book, and he's written so many others that are are really terrific as well. In any event, uh, Professor Bell will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your commentary on the show. You can send me a comment at Bob Harden at hotmail.com. You can also request to get on the distribution list for the Bob Harden uh, newsletter at uh, Bob Harden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.